This podcast is supported by Patreon. You can support it at patreon.com slash toadsanime to listen to the next episode before it releases. Alternatively, spend it on something more important like a monthly cinema membership. Hello and welcome to... Holy shit, it's another episode, another one. My God, it's almost like they're coming out weekly. Um, with me today, I have the very lovely Dan Sullivan. Say hello. 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 You did it. You did the hello. I did it. That's it. I can go now. <laughs> yeah. See you later, everyone. Cheers for popping in. Um, do you want to tell everyone who you are, what you do? What the, what the fuck do you do, Dan Sullivan? It's a good question. What don't I do? Ryan Brown, what don't I do? Quite a lot, mm. as it turns out. Uh, I'm Dan Sullivan. I'm the editor of Pocket Gamer, managing editor of One Freight Apps and App Spy as well. I'm the editor-in-chief of BigBossBattle.com, a site I founded back in 2016 that focuses on indie games uh, and small mid-tier games. Uh, and I'm a regular contributor, although I wouldn't say too regular at the moment, of uh, Indie Games Plus, among other things. Big Busy Boy. That's your new nickname. That's it, B3. There you go. B3. B3! Big Busy Boy. You did it. Yeah, Big Busy Boy. Big Boss Battle. Job done. Perfect synergies. That is, that is, that's always what it stood for. Um, I should say that in the previous episode, I had Jupiter Hadley. Um, in this episode, I had Dan Sullivan, both of which are members of my little film group. Um, so we would usually go and see films at the cinema every week but obviously due to lockdown we can't do that moment um but yeah i thought you know what i need podcast episodes just get my mates on then we can chat shit there <laughs> in the games industry then we can chat shit yeah just talk about movies mate how about those films yeah what a good movie angry birds was a film there we go we've done it that... mobile games films so that's it they've, they've done two of them mate Has, have there been two mario movies two, no. Been two. no they haven't we make two podcast episodes one on each one on each film there you go job done It'll be awful. So it. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, you, you've uh, so Dan has actually been on one of the earlier episodes of this um, back when it was kind of not really very well organised and um, mm. yeah, just just a bit of a fucking mess basically. Oh, sorry, I wasn't meant to agree to that bit, was I? <laughs> oh no, no, you you are you are meant to agree to that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, now it's a weekly thing, so thought I'd get him back on. We can talk about something a bit more consistent. So far, we've just been chatting shit, but we will talk about some cool topics. Um, what I will mention is how um, how I, I'm not sure how many people know this, but my my for, my sort of first step into the games industry was writing for your site. So Dan co-founded um, Final Boss Fight. And yeah. So the first the first thing I ever did was uh, write for there. Yeah, it was fun. We just bumped into each other. I can't even remember how we met. I think we bumped into each other uptown. It was pure coincidence. And, uh, and uh, yeah, you came round and funnily enough, I think you joined in a podcast, of all things. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, got right in for the site. And, and that was it. A long, long time ago now, though, friendo. It was, yeah. But, yeah, I actually don't remember. I don't remember the day we met. I don't remember the specific circumstances, um, which is strange. But, yeah, I ended up writing... Um, <laughs> Final Boss Fight was on the podcast, went to events. I think I have on my, I don't know why, but on my YouTube channel, which I don't use, so don't go look at it. But on my <laughs> YouTube channel, I have um, like a video up of me interviewing uh, <laughs> Nick from from Firefly, the, the Stronghold Kingdoms guys. And that was like oh, one yeah. of the first interviews I ever did. Like, I still know Nick now, and it's I'll have to bring it up to him. It's embarrassing because it was one of the first <laughs> interviews I ever did. I didn't know anything about the game. I didn't really look up anything about it beforehand. I'm just sort of standing there with a microphone for whatever reason, filled with confidence, despite having absolutely no idea what I was talking about. Um, embarrassing. Um, it was a complete, like, it was a complete, like, schoolboy outlet or, you know, school child outlet when we when we started it. We were just people who, I think somebody at one point said we could get to E3 if we write a games blog, it's quite simple, or something like that. <laughs> and then we just got writing about games and going to events. And at the, at the time, uh, which was 2011, 2012, I think, when it all kicked off, uh, we were about four years into the big... Uh, games journalism online movement so like destructoid was about and established and that was like the first wave of like i suppose independent rather than company owned blogs mm. that had got big so so at the time the 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 
the lay of the land, I guess, was was quite different. And I remember the two of us, we attended uh, an event up at Namco Bandai uh, when they were Namco Bandai. Uh, and yeah, there, there were very few little uh, little blogs there, as it were, in in that community section. And, and many of the sites that were there that have still survived are now are now quite well known outlets. So yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, it was really interesting. I think I think most people start off like that. Like most people that are now yeah. on big sites are big magazines and stuff kind of started off on a small blog so from my background is i started there i then wrote for my coin arcade site and then went off to the, the mirror and stuff so i've always long said that if if i hadn't done that with you guys i don't really know i don't i mean it's just one of those like small things with it, it just ended up completely changing your life just by pure accident yeah. i don't really know what i would be doing now i don't know if anyone would know who i am listening to this um which is quite interesting but yeah it was it was good fun it was good fun back in the day um I still got. I don't know why, but I've, I've still got my final boss white T-shirt somewhere. <laughs> that. I've got that in my in my cupboard somewhere. Um, but yeah, and now we're in a film group together, so it all yeah. comes around and big. What a lovely big circle! And now I'm that's in it. PR, and now I'm bugging you for coverage. So that's it. That's that's how yeah. it works now. <laughs> oh, the times they have a changed. That's it. Um, obviously, um, moving on from from. Uh, Final boss fight. You uh, work at Pocket Gamer now. Well, hey, what a lovely time. Um, for those that don't know, obviously, Pocket Gamer hints in the name. Um, obviously, focus on mobile games, stuff like that. Something which is so often overlooked in our industry as a whole. Um, I think there's a real, there's a real hate almost for mobile games among a lot of the yeah. gaming community. Um, which is a, a, a shame. I mean, I've always thought... I, I don't play that many mobile games myself, but whenever s- someone shits on mobile games, I always have the urge to just go, right, here's, I'm just going to list out all of the decent, very unique experiences on mobile that simply couldn't exist on another platform. And I'll just list out like 200 games. Like, bam, there. This is why it has some value. Um, I think it's just overlooked, obviously, because of the weird practices that a lot of mobile games use, which is yeah. a shame. Um, yeah, and 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 its background. I mean, as well. I mean, we've, yeah, we've seen we've seen mobile in the last twenty years has has accelerated visually and contextually and conceptually, and it's also the the it is actually the testing ground for a lot of the mechanics and stuff that we see come through into PC and and console gaming. So we have microtransactions, you know. Other, other platforms have their microtransactions issues and the legislation that comes with it. And that stuff was very much tested out on on mobile first. Uh, and, yeah, and so it, there's definitely a stigma around it. As, as well as that, the earliest mobile games were, were, you know, closer to social games. Like the social gaming boom really hit big on mobile. Everybody's got a mobile phone as well, so you need to cater to a different audience if you want to maximise the amount of people that you actually get on board with your game. And and that's not to say that there's not great games on there. As you said, there's there's tons and tons and tons of games. I mean, just this month on mobile, I know a couple. I know, you know, my personal favourites are, are ports that have launched on mobile, but they run better on it. So we've got things like Slay the Spire, Dead Cells, and Crying Sons have all launched on on mobile over the last kind of two, three weeks, and they're all better for touch input. Yeah, I mean, one of the one of the better things that's happened to mobile recent years, in my opinion, is Apple Arcade. Like that, yes. I, I wish Apple spent more time on it um, because they don't seem to market it very much. It's not even that easy to find on their own store, to be honest. But it's such a cool platform because it means, because obviously it's a subscription-based service, the games that are on there don't need to have any of the monetization issues that people have with mobile games. So they're just pure, awesome mobile gaming experiences. Um, yeah, yeah it's, I mean, stuff like Sayonara or Wild Hearts is on there. You've got some exclusive games that are on there, which have slowly started moving to other platforms now. Um, and then you've got um, uh, Lego Builders Journey. Like, it's definitely, I, I wholly recommend people to go and try out Apple Arcade. Um, it is actually a really promising service that i hope that they put more 
time and effort into. You do get a free month of it as well if you haven't tried it out yet too. But it's yeah, it's got things on there like Neo Cabs. Monimals is probably one of my favourite platformers of the last couple of years, which is like an underwater platformer where you you zip around and you're you're like these these like aquatic animals that also play music and everything's really just juicy and bright and bold and like classic classic early Nintendo style brightness. Uh, but then you 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 just had Beyond a Still Sky launch on there as well. And while I know that's on other platforms too, you know, it's it's great to see these games coming over to to mobile and, and Apple Arcade, you know, the team behind, the editorial team at Apple, they're people who have been who many of them before they were actually working at Apple were the people that were writing about and reviewing games on on sites a lot of their editorial team are made up of former like writers from uh future publishing etc and so there's a lot of careful picks when they when the games are selected and approved for apple arcade and that's and that's why we've got games like beyond a still sky which is obviously the sequel to a game to beneath a still sky that launched like 26 years ago and we've also got games like sociable soccer from john Hare of of sensible soccer fame which once again was a good 15 20 years ago so they, they definitely know like the legacy of gaming when it comes to choosing the the premium games that populate that storefront that's cool I didn't actually know the uh, that they'd all come from outlets and stuff that's interesting a, so a they, lot of them yeah yeah that's cool so they they know what they're talking about they're actually passionate about mobile games um that's the thing like I I personally just don't have that much knowledge of how Apple works with with the app store and, and how the editorial processes work and uh, and how the marketing works and stuff like it's it's something that just kind of goes over me a little um, yeah, yeah. So that's interesting to know. <clears throat> um, yeah, I, I, I won't say I won't say who, but I was told by a developer that Apple, frankly, just aren't putting enough into the marketing of, of Apple Arcade, um, which is a shame to hear, um, yeah. because it's such a it's such a good service. I don't I don't know why they're not putting their full force behind it. Um, yeah, it, I mean, as I said, like it's difficult to even find on the App Store. Like it's not a huge thing it's actually difficult to find it i think that i think the naming of it by apple arcade means that a lot of when they shorten it just down to arcade does somewhat ruin the visibility of it but on most modern ios devices you should actually have an arcade just tab in the storefront that that should then make it relatively easy to to find they do mention it in their little editorial welcome page as well but you know if, if you're going on there specifically looking for games the app store still still does suffer from the problem that it suffered with you know ages ago and that now pc suffers with which is that the curation isn't isn't super visible mm. even though it is so much better now than it used to be yeah i mean with with a platform like that though where there's i imagine hundreds if not thousands of games releasing pretty much on a daily basis it must be so difficult to curate that sort of thing anyway um you know i think that's I think that's now becoming uh, more of a legend than a truth. Uh, right. And I, I'll admit that I, subs- I kind of subscribed to that belief as well before I got my job at Pocket Gamer. But as someone who now regularly uh, handles outreach uh, and has a lot of people reaching out to get covered, you know, we, we're still picking from probably, we're still probably only picking from, I should say, probably about maximum 25 to 30 uh quality games that are localized and regionalized uh every week which a few years ago when you were looking at when you were working in game for instance and you were looking at the release schedule and you were having like one game launch a week or two games launch a week for for consoles 25 to 30 a week sounds absolutely ludicrous but you've got double that coming out on steam on a daily basis now Mm. so it's it definitely feels like there are less games coming out on mobile than on but on PC for sure, on a daily basis. Uh, That's interesting. In Makes sense, I suppose. Um, I mean, as you say though, like there's there's going to be a lot of the releases are going to be sort of the crap <laughs> that might not necessarily even reach out to you, I suppose. So I guess I guess it's maybe yeah. I guess it is a little bit easier to curate the actual quality games um, now. So when I, when I first when I first took on the job, I was I was really excited because I was like. Uh, 
I've I've been in a place where we we look at a big selection of games that aren't getting coverage, and we turn around and we go, "This actually looks really good. I can't believe people have missed it. This looks really good. I can't believe people have missed it." You know, and we get like three or four games on PC together, and I really thought that I could bring some initiatives that were like uh, we have a best game of the week article that we do, which I know sounds a bit like clickbaity by the title, but basically we pick out five the five games that we think are the best that launch that week, and we do it we do it every week, and uh, I really thought that I'd be talking about 10 or 15 games, but sometimes there just isn't enough games to, to, to fill that enough, enough quality games. Uh, because obviously we, we do still suffer with uh, much like, much like you do get on PC. Uh, you do still suffer with people who attempt to release and monetize their first ever game development, uh, which may be incomplete or maybe an advanced an advanced take on a tutorial uh but a lot of that's actually filtered away by by the app store now uh there's no chronological view where you can just scroll through and go oh this game came out this one came out five minutes before that this one came out five minutes before that and actually to search games they need to have been downloaded a certain amount of times before they actually appear in the searches which does a good job of masking some of that but is incredible but probably doesn't help the stigma of it's hard to be seen on the app store because if you release a game and you don't get your mum your dad your uncle your aunt you know your your butcher your baker your candlestick maker etc to to download the game then then you're not actually going to ping up accidentally in searches so yeah that's what i was going to ask so so if you need to have a certain number of downloads before it even shows up you i assume you would just literally need people you know to go and download it first yeah to get it going yeah uh at least you know the the 10 downloads thing is is something that i've i've had told to me a handful of times and for certain on on the day there have been games that we've written about that we've had press releases for that we've needed to ask the developers uh to provide an app store link because it doesn't appear in search yet because it, it hasn't you know hit that hit that groove yet so strange though i guess i could share that link on their social platforms and stuff I, oh I guess. for sure yeah they can they can totally yeah they can they can pass that link around yeah and you know if, if the number is 10 that you need to do to get the ball rolling then uh, you know 10 isn't isn't too much if you've been talking about your game properly in the run-up to launch but yeah uh, but yeah and and then that gets us onto the argument, the discussion of marketing and PR, doesn't it? And and how if you don't talk about your game before launch, you're kind of setting yourself up to fail. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, which I imagine happens a lot with the mobile market because I mean, unless it's Activision or an Apple game or a big publisher, in which case it's going to be monetized and marketed to hell. I imagine it suffers from a lot of the same problems that a lot of PC games do, where you have a lot of these indie games and they don't particularly know how to market it for mobile, and uh, sort of the common problems that would come up for PC. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely a major problem with the with the mobile industry on the whole at the moment. And and what we've got to remember when we talk about it is that both you and I have our background in trying to celebrate games that nobody else was, was talking about or playing, about finding yeah. these little games that people weren't covering. And we were doing that by just generally searching on the internet or going to forums or going to message boards or just, you know, looking through chronological lists. And, and with mobile not having that, uh, there's not been... There's not a big bunch of websites out there that go, hey, we're all about indie mobile games, whereas there's a lot of websites out there that are like, hey, we're about indie PC games. And mobile games are almost excluded from from that from that indie games collective, uh, which is which is just odd, frankly, to be honest with me, because there's a lot of to be honest with you, sorry, uh, because there's a lot of high quality mobile games out there. Yeah, so do you, do you find that? Well, I suppose you wouldn't know, but I, I was going to ask: do you, do you think that a lot of indie mobile developers just simply aren't reaching out to you? Then, like, there's a lot of gems that just completely pass you by just because these people aren't really reaching out. Because it seems obvious to me that if you have a mobile game coming out, you should reach out to Pocket Gamer. That seems obvious, um, but I guess for a lot of people, they're just not even clocking that. Yeah, I, I I suspect that because the site's been around for probably a good fifteen or so years, and editors have changed, and news people have left, you probably know how easy it is to go from emailing a as someone who's done PR. You probably know how easy it is to go from emailing like news at coolwebsite dot com to emailing Doug at coolwebsite dot com, and then Doug leaves, and all of a sudden, you know, 
you you don't sit there and go through your mailing list and go haven't seen any content go up on coolwebsite.com recently especially if you've got like 50 or 60 sites that you email and so i suspect that yeah. just generally over time a lot of people aren't reaching out uh not sure i i'd probably say that i get now probably about 25 30 emails a day uh at pocket right. gamer when i first started that was probably about five or six uh i quickly merged up a couple of my pr lists that i was being contacted on for other sites uh and started reaching out to smaller developers and we've got something in the in the mobile space which is like almost a micro publisher which is almost mm-hmm. someone that you just go to to be marketed so it's it's not pr they're they're technically publishing but but it's almost a promotional form of publishing uh, and so kind of got in touch with a with a handful of those as well and, and and we're getting there i feel like we're we're covering the best of the best and we're we're getting a lot of the news out before the other outlets as well which might just be a side effect of me coming over from a slightly different paste uh mm-hmm. format as it were yeah i mean i find that on your thing about messaging people and then the people leaving for me yeah. i i my full time job is pr so for me, that's fine because it's my job to communicate with different people and learn where they're moving to and when they've left and who's replacing them and to update yeah. my mailing lists. And and I would usually, and I, and I would probably recommend this to, to, to smaller developers, but it does require more time. I would usually recommend not going to a generic email address like news or tips and finding a specific author at a site, usually because you get more luck, better luck. If, if it's something like IGN where they're getting assumedly hundreds or thousands of emails a day, you're better off targeting a specific author but of course that requires a lot of chase up that requires knowing where people are moving about and that's fine for me because that's my full-time job but for um a small indie developer that's not doable you know they haven't got the time to spend eight hours of their day doing pr um so do you would you usually recommend that would you recommend that a developer actually just emails the generic site email address then yeah i'm I'm utterly comfortable with that, especially as a starting point, you know, because some outreach, even if it's to a generic email address, is so much better than outreach to nowhere, you know. Uh, yeah. And so if these if these developers do reach out to like our news at and then and then one of the reporters, because that's forwarded on to all of my news team and myself. So if one of our reporters does uh, pick up on it, then there's no reason why you can't shift over to just talking personally to them. We've got a really good working yeah. relationship with Garena, who made Garena Free Fire, which is one of the most played uh, games on Twitch on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. It's just a little, uh, not little really, but it's a battle royale that's absolutely massive in in South America uh, and and India, as it turns out, actually. Uh, and you know, we've got a really, really good working relationship with the PR, in so much as they normally come to us just mm. to quash rumours that are going around on on other websites. Uh, right. And that came through them reaching out to our news at and then latching on to one of my writers. So, but it, but because my team is entirely new as well, that's, that's the other thing, or not entirely new. Like the video guy has been around for a couple of years and the person doing uh, guides, Dave, has been around for a couple of years as well. Uh, but the actual news team and the editor myself are new so any previously established mm. relationships and you know aren't there and uh, a lot of the people who were talking to like uh, emily or harry or rick or jessica or the other people that basically left over a six to eight month period and didn't know who their successors were going to be uh you know mm. that's that's all gone so which is strange yeah, yeah, it's 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 an interesting one, sort of for me, that the whole mobile outlet stuff. Because, um, as I say, like it's not something that I, I'm interested in. It I find it intriguing. I find it, the fact that it's such a different market intriguing, but I'm not the most clued up on it all. Um, which is my own doing, really. I should broaden broaden my news a bit. It sounds like you should read PocketGamer.com, Ryan. Ding. That's right. Ding. <laughs> It's on my video. It's on my video game new list, news list. So what I ha- how yeah. I usually follow video game news is um I I use just a Twitter list because I'm on Twitter yeah. often for work. And stuff. Um, I just have it up as a column in TweetDeck, and so you know Pocket Gamer and PocketGamer.biz they're in there, they're in there. Mm-hmm. So I occasionally see stuff and share stuff that's on Pocket Gamer. 
Um, I think it's it's probably the only mobile focused. You and uh, and Dot Biz are probably the only mobile focused outlets that are on that list. So if if I'm sharing mobile game related news, it's usually <laughs> from you guys. There's a couple of other big outlets out there, but yeah, there are a few. I mean, back when I was doing PR for. Um, uh numskull specifically i would contact a, like y- yourself and a lot of the other sort of mobile focused sites yes. to try and get coverage on a the quarter arcade cabinets we did which is not really mobile but kind of mobile and managed to squeeze that in some places and uh for switch games and stuff um so yeah but, but but the only ones actually the only one i end up actually reading is usually is usually yours um so hmm. what i find really interesting is the um is the sort of games that are absolutely gigantic, massive, massive, massive download numbers. That if if I were to tweet about it to to gamers that follow me, they there's like a ninety percent chance that they absolutely wouldn't have heard of it. Um, <laughs> I think an example an example I, I've I've raised before is how um like the Minion Rush game or whatever it's called, like the Despicable Me yes, Minions yeah. game, has like over a billion downloads or one and a half billion downloads or something absurd like that. And I tweeted that, and most people will be like, "I've literally never heard of this before," and yet it has more plays than effectively any video game franchise. Um, yeah. Obviously, it's not a fair comparison because it's a free download, and you know, you're not, you know, have to go out and buy a copy of America. But, um, but yeah, it's just amazing to me when when you, when you get these games that have just it, it just teaches you that we are in a bubble that, that well, probably not you because you cover this stuff, but but for for. Uh, myself and a lot of the gaming community just in this huge bubble where we just don't see these things that hit the mainstream billion plus downloads and we haven't even ever heard of it before um yeah it's crazy it kind of just shows you how games are not like this small restricted little thing anymore yeah yeah the, yeah there's no such thing as gamers anymore really to be honest in yeah the same way as we don't walk along and go ah oh, you're a book reader Ah, movie watcher, huh? You know, because so many people do it. And and if I'm honest with you, we've not covered that Minion Rush game in the same way that I'm sure we probably did write about Temple Run back in the day and, and we've definitely written about Angry Birds. But uh, but a lot of the, the stuff that is like an IP slapped over an already pre-existing formula is normally what we don't write about. But yeah, that some of those are the games that, as you said, it's like a sixth of the world's population has downloaded this game. And the rest of us are just standing here looking at each other like, oh, they made a Minions game. All right. Okay. Okay, then. Uh, The same way people were when Farmville was about, you know, Farmville was about and, you know, 70% of the people with a Facebook account, you know, were were playing it. And the the other 20% of us or whatever, were just like, what's what's that? No, I don't have time for Farmville. No, I'm 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 shooting ninjas or dressed as a Viking in some game. Yeah, it's mad. I guess the reason... I mean, you wouldn't really have needed to cover the Minion thing, I suppose, because it, it frankly, didn't need the coverage. It's despicable. Yeah. It, it'll be fine. Um, but, yeah, it's just it's amazing. That, and even that game you brought up a minute ago that was huge in South America and then India, I'm not sure I've ever heard of that, but it sounds like it's absolutely massive. Um, yeah. So just a lot of things that just completely fly by me because they're sort of... Either because they're mo- mobile uh games or, or the regions that i don't know that well about um yeah it's just it's just it's always very enlightening to learn how much of a little bubble my little life is nice little hmm. nice little bubble i like bubbles they're all right put them in baths that's 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 where you put them yep or in the air that's what yep. in the air. that's what that's what they that's do where, they're good they go. yep yep big, big bubble fan <laughs> big um, bubble fan yeah big bubble fan BB, uh, bbf bbf um, <laughs> I uh, at, at the moment, so Pocket Gamer, uh, um, we're saying mobile, but we mean very specifically mobile devices because you don't cover Switch stuff at the moment, am I right? Yeah, so we were uh, when I when I first took over the mantle, we were dipping into Switch quite regularly. But the thing is, there's hundreds of sites out there that are covering Switch yeah. releases, and there are a lot of bigger sites that have got big budgets and can afford to, to you know pick and choose what Switch games they want to cover. Uh, and it's, it's hard to hone in on a niche when you're covering an entire format. And mm-hmm. as we call, you know, Pocket Gamer and not like Pocket Gamer and really cool-looking Japanese strategy games that are on Switch.com, it yep. just felt 
more sensible to to wind back the switch coverage. Uh, and while we do still dip into it, and Animal Crossing actually was a humongous success because a lot of our team were on board with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are we are very 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 mobile phone focused. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean that that sort of stuff isn't getting coverage anywhere else, as you say. Like even even on a more uh, on a more boring level, I'm, I imagine the SEO of getting switch coverage high up and on and SEO is going to be difficult because you're fighting against so many other outlets. Um, yes, for, for mobile, easy peasy because no one else is no one else is really doing it. Um, and yeah, it's 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 nice to see that you're putting so much focus on mobile games and that a lot of the stuff that isn't really getting covered is getting covered now, which is awesome. Yeah, you've got uh, the odd bigger site like uh, Eurogamer or Games Radar, etc. will dip into a, a mobile game when a large IP is attached to it yeah, or when a game does something really, really new. But it's it's such a rarity. So whereas we're focused on obviously being, being specialists in mobile. So um, and with that comes that. Should I segue here to what I'm doing at the end of the month? <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to use this as a promotional push, as if I haven't done that enough already. Buy my book. Uh, Stan Sullivan by Dan Sullivan. <laughs> uh, we're, we're actually going to try and launch uh, the first consumer-focused, as in uh, player-focused, uh, mobile game announcement event later on this month. From the 23rd to 25th of July, uh, we're going to have lots of mobile game announcements. We're going to have new trailers, new announce, uh, you know, new information, details on major updates that are coming, and we're trying to target this at basically everybody. We we want to talk about the premium. We want to get to a point where mobile game websites and game websites in general can talk about mobile games months and months before they're coming out rather than just dealing with a rumour or, like, the week before it comes out, everybody gets a press release going, this game's coming out next week, and then and then that's it, basically. So we get one news article out there, and then a week later we're reviewing it, you know? Mm-hmm. We want to get this hype cycle in place that events like E3 and the Game Awards, etc., have, have kind of helped instill with uh, console, console and PC. So... That's the goal with Launchpad, which which is going to be later on this month, from the twenty third to twenty fifth of July. Awesome. Um, is that like is it like an all day stream or how how is that or is it? Yeah. So that... that's. I'm glad you asked. You asked, Ryan. Uh, so what it is is uh, we're going to be uh, running a lot of news stories throughout the day uh, that have been specifically gathered for the event. This is news that otherwise wouldn't have come out, you know, until months later. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's going to be a core part of it. And we'll be running that stuff throughout the day. And then we're going to have a two-hour video recap at the end of each day as well. So if you're not one, if you're not one to kind of dip into, uh, dip into the site and read along as, as the day goes, you can instead uh, just pop along for the little two-hour stream that we're going to have on Twitch later on that day. Cool. Sweet. I mean, we, we kind of briefly talked about it before we started recording, but how, um, how it seems to be the case a lot of mobile game publishers will kind of just release the game. Look, they'll, they'll announce and release the game on the same day and send the press release out, and then it's on the store hours later. So they don't have this sort of announcement. They don't have the same marketing beats that console games would have, for example, yeah. where you have an announcement and then you have a teaser and you have a trailer and then it's out. Like, that hype cycle doesn't exist for mobile games. Um, it's yeah, just so sort of, here it is. So we've we've got because it, it it's 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 just it's kind of fragmentally there for the bigger companies. So companies like Tencent, etc. what they'll do is they'll announce a game at one of their own events, let it just echo around for a bit. A lot of their games are already attached to successful IPs as well. And then they'll use their mailing lists and outreach and start a pre-registration campaign. And some some mobile games pick up, you know, like two, 2.5 million pre-registrations. Uh so they're obviously set. The second they launch, they've got like a 90 or 95% adoption rate from those pre-registrations. But smaller smaller games, and indeed most smaller publishers, they just don't have that, that power behind them that companies like NetEase or Tencent have. Uh, and so they can't build up this big pre-registration. As well as that, we've got a really big uh, soft launch culture in mobile as well. And Yeah. And while... On PC and console, we do sometimes get beta tests, and obviously we've got early access as well. 
but with beta tests and early with early access specifically sorry on 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 pc and and console it's almost treated like a first release mm. uh early access so much so that when games three years later come out of early access nobody really cares you know because they've been playing it all along you've you've had your one launch you know and only the biggest games like i think it was fortnite just came out of early access only the biggest games will actually have someone go oh it's out of early access now here's here's what the update does mm-hmm. uh and so we have a lot of things disrupting the what would be a traditional hype cycle yeah i mean that plays into a lot i've always said again as i guess someone that's gone from journalism to pr i've always really try to push the, the idea of you only get one launch so if you're going yeah. to soft launch something that's it there's all your press there's there's the hype it's it's in that and the same for early access there it is you don't get it again when you come out of early access when you're going to a hard launch and um yeah when I, when i do see um, mobile news um around usually about licensed games and, and, and whatnot it usually is the case that it's soft launched in some regions and then it will come out i guess <laughs> at some point soon but i don't hear that bit i only hear about the soft launch so i have no idea when yeah. the actual major launch bit is I only hear about the soft launch um so yeah it's a it's 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 marketed differently i suppose um to how a lot of console games would be so yeah something something like launchpad what you're doing sounds awesome where it's just like bam like a little mini three like here's here's some announcements and news and trying to build up more of a a, a decent hype cycle, I suppose, for mobile games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mobile developers, in the same way as uh, other platforms, should feel comfortable talking about major updates with with outlets. They should feel comfortable talking about their release plans ahead of time. Uh, and even things like soft launch can tie into that. You know, when a game comes out of soft launch, if there's a big enough update that goes with it, then it is newsworthy. You know, I know that there was a big problem a few years back when there was just too much news on sites and and in the same way as there were too many releases it became very hard to pick if you were actually going to talk about an update for a game which is part of why there's that you only get one you only get one release culture going on because we've covered it once has it changed much no you know we we're not putting resources towards that but getting people into the habit of being comfortable talking about their updates or promoting their updates or talking about their games well before launch. It's, it's beneficial to the industry to grow. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to see, I, I, I'd definitely like to see that. Cause as I say, I'm, I'm interested in mobile. I find it an interesting platform with a lot of unique ideas and, and games that can only really exist on that platform and don't really exist anywhere else. Um, and things like Apple Arcade help us get away from a lot of the monetization stuff that I don't like. So it would be nice mm-hmm. to see it treated just like every other game, where it just gets normal, normal uh, articles on, on on updates and and you know that I see it more in my timeline basically, and I see more people talking about it. And yeah, little events like this um, help and sound really interesting to be honest, and like nice little bursts of news get people excited. Um, yeah, looking forward to that. That'll be quite decent. That's my self promotion gambit ended. There, so there it is. Phew! We can get that shit can, out of the way. <laughs> we can just talk about normal things now, mate. <laughs> No, we can talk about normal thing, mate. What's your favourite biscuit? Mine's a custard cream. I think custard cream's too safe. I think I think you've just gone with like the safe option there. It's a bourbon. Fucking hell! We, see, we are different, but we still get along, and that's what it's all about. Bourbon, custard cream, still friends. Here we go. I mean, go. both both biscuits with cream in the middle. To be honest with you, it's not that different. Uh, you know, the other day. Uh, I saw some that were like rhubarb and something flavoured that were the same, you know, format. (laughs) Well, I was in a shop. I don't think they like it when you just take their stock and put it in bins. My point still stands. Swipe that shit immediately into a bin. (laughs) Just knock it on the floor like an irritated cat. Yeah. How dare you? Say that. Look them dead in the eyes and go, how dare you? Rhubarb, biscuits. Fuck you. Good. Well, that's a good segue. Yeah, mobile to biscuits. And there's actually so many similarities between the two very important industries. Mobile one you carry around in your pocket, one you also carry around in your other pocket. That's it. Same yeah. same thing. I've seen you walking around with a smartphone in one pocket and a pack of Tesco Value custard uh, creams sticking out of the side of another pocket. That's what I'm known for. I'm known for a having a smartphone and b eating custard creams. 
That's it. My two main personality traits. Big biscuit boy. That's what they call you. Big biscuit boy. Yep. Yeah. That's what they. Sh- that's what they yell at me. They they yell it like that. Big biscuit boy. And then I wave my smartphone at them, and they go, "Wait." That's it. I've seen it. You've seen it. Talking of talking of B three triple Bs. Yeah. Nice. Nice segue. Nice segue. Um, so you you obviously are the co-owner of uh, Big Boss Battle, which sounds really good to say, by the way. So thanks for that. Thanks for naming your outlets. No Someone I did it for you, Ryan. Thank you. Nice little bit of alliteration. I like it. Um, so, uh, A, I, I, I've, I've always sort of, when I think of sort of smaller outlets that cover indie games, yours is definitely one of the ones that comes to mind. I guess I'm a little bit biased because you're my mate. But um, yep. it definitely is one of the ones that come to mind. But obviously, as you touched on earlier, like we both come from a background where we try to cover a lot of smaller games. Um, and for a lot of people, when we talk about indie games, they're thinking of Ukulele and Celeste. Like these games are still multi-million sellers um, as opposed to we are usually talking about games much smaller than that. Yeah. Um, Although Celeste has an interesting story because uh, it was developed on Pico 8 originally. And the Pico 8 version is absolutely beautiful. I highly recommend, if you're a fan of Celeste, to, to go and play the Pico 8 version of it. Yes, which is also in the game anyway. <laughs> it's, it's, it? it's, it's, oh. in, it's in it's so you can, but Yeah, but that little that little computer bit in the game is was the original game. And, um, oh. yeah, I think I, I think I mentioned on the podcast um, that I had beforehand with Jupiter about how it's really interesting to go from that very small indie scene and see some of those names from that scene actually make it into the big, into the big game, like uh, Matt from Celeste, like um, Greg from Wonder Song. Um, uh, more examples. Um, 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 Babber is you. You know, it's really cool to see these people that were from that very small, really small indie scene um, actually have successful indie games, um, yeah. which is cool. But it's also good to cover all the other bits and bobs. Um, that, that you wouldn't usually see in a lot of the bigger outlets. Um, and then something that is completely not my thing, that I have virtually no knowledge of whatsoever, is that you also cover board games. Yeah, yeah, which is which is a whole different scene. Uh, it's a very, uh, very, very different industry. Uh, but they seem so connected. I see, them, I see them correlated a lot. Like a lot of people that are into... Uh, games are into tabletop games and i see i see a lot of that sort of duality um and it just makes me feel like i'm missing out because i i don't have I, i'm frankly not very interested in tabletop games that's that's the reality. <laughs> um and and i and I, I feel bad about that because obviously they look really creative they look really unique and it's it's actually become such a big thing recently maybe, maybe i'm just seeing it more but i feel like tabletop games have become a big thing maybe it's just because they're they're doing really well on crowd uh, crowdfunding pages and stuff um, but yeah, I, I feel like I'm missing out on like this big thing. But at the same time, I'm not exactly going up my way to yeah. <laughs> get myself invested it's, in them. It's uh, it's. I think I think the biggest hurdle for many people to overcome is the fact that you then end up with this massive box uh, in your house. It's like if you love buying physical games and you only buy collector's editions. Uh, yeah, and you, and you never play the games because that's the other thing as well. It's a lot more social. Uh, it's a lot more social than just uh, just default games, I suppose, because you're there in person with people. Uh, and there's normally a lot of interplay as well. You've got games like uh, Dead of Winter, where you're actually playing against other players, uh, but you're all communicating all the way. And, and then you've got games like the XCOM uh, board game, where you're all working as a team against a collective uh, app-powered, funnily enough, uh, enemy that, that throws harder things at you. So you've all got to work as a team and you have different types of players come out of it as well, which is why it's really fun to have a, a, a group of people that you play games with. You have the power player who starts telling other people what to do and you have the the permanent rogue, which in, in our case is my cousin Matt, who you literally, even in a game that is entirely co-op, still do not trust because when there's an option to betray someone, they just do it even if it means they lose the game. Uh, and and it, it's just an interesting social dynamic. Uh, I, I really like board games because, uh, because in, in many ways I, I play a lot of slower, 
video games now anyway. I play a lot of strategy games or I play a lot of roguelikes, games where you can normally take your time a little bit more. And a lot of the systems and mechanics that are in play in those come from board games or are interchangeable with with board games. So things like, I, I think I mentioned earlier, Slay the Spire. Slay the Spire is a is is an engine builder card game, basically, where you're building up a deck and the cards can impact each other. And as you're doing that, you're also fighting enemies and unlocking new cards and taking new opportunities. And it just becomes this big stacking pile of consequences that mm-hmm. can either get you through the game or can completely fall apart and you learn and you get better and you start taking chances differently and that's so similar to uh games like mystic vow uh and and other engine builder games where you're adapting what you've got in front of you uh so i I think there's a lot there to to i think there's a lot i mean it's so hard to to quickly synopsize board games because much like video games it's it's such a wide such a wide church, such yeah. a different variety of games. I mean, I've been playing a lot of games recently here with Jupiter and the Kids, uh, and we've been playing a lot of kind of little fun tabletop games, which are as simple as things like, you know, a slightly exaggerated version of Snap and stuff like that. But then there's also games based around these falling dice towers or memory match games. And even those simple games that are aimed at families, there's something core and simple there that, is, is present there and it almost does with those it almost doesn't translate well into video games because you almost expect more now mm. uh but then you look at some of the other games that i've got on my in my board game collection and i've got the crusader kings board game for instance which takes hours and hours to play uh and there's there's just so much going on in the way of dynamics and and the people you're playing with the game can play out so differently because it, a lot of a lot of the the building and empire building uh, board games uh, they're they're almost they're almost sandbox in design, much like you know four X games and strategy games on on PC. Uh, but there's definitely something to be said of the kind of camaraderie and the, the 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 social elements of the game that come from having a group of of people to play it with. Not to to go off topic ever so slightly, but you do know that like of the movie group. Like that's ninety percent of a board gaming group that we have. Right? I know, <laughs> I know, I know. It's yeah. For for context, like we 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 have a I think we mentioned earlier that we have a movie group, and then you guys also do board game nights, and I'm just like not there. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is uh, I I I I feel welcome to it. I just haven't gone to it yet because, as I say, I guess I just haven't really experienced board games that much. I have um I like one of the very few experiences I have of, of enjoying like a board game type experience is um, there was this card game called uh, the resistance Avalon. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Which is like this sort of social deduction kind of game where you have to, you know, figure out which one of you is, is, is the, is the uh, like assassin or something, something like that. And um, I remember I stayed with a group of friends um for an expo and we ended up playing it for like eight hours in the night and it was it was yeah. so fun it was like ridiculously fun and so i definitely see the appeal because like that social experience is not something that you can really get out of playing a video game like it's a very different social experience um uh, people have tried to adapt that kind of werewolf mafia format uh to two games with with like moderate success uh but it it needs to be it needs to be something different something extra for it to work like uh there was a there was a game where uh you're all on a ship and you've all got missions and stuff to do as well as the social deduction element of it and that worked Mm. that worked quite well but but yeah the resistance or i guess you played the avalon version of it is is a great is a great example of of how it's much more social, and I bet as you played more and more games and of it, and you got more comfortable with it, you started learning like the tales and gives of other players, and you got little in jokes, and yeah, yeah. So I definitely see the appeal. Like it's that is an experience that doesn't really translate that well over to video games because it you kind of all need to be there in a the room together, and and having I mean I guess you could do that on several Switch consoles or something, but um, it just doesn't work. I guess I guess the I guess the best. 
I'm really going off in tangents there. I guess the best way of adapting that is something like how Jackbox works, where you have a shared screen and then you're just using like your mobile. Um, that works quite well. Um, yeah. But yeah, we're seeing we're seeing a lot of this crossover between video games and board games happen anyway. Like we're seeing a lot of uh, board game adaptations of video games. Um, those are going up on Kickstarter and end up being some of the most successful crowdfunding campaigns yeah. on Kickstarter, um, like the Resident Evil board game the Dark Souls board game. So it's definitely, there definitely seems to be a crossover of people that like, that are very seriously into video games and very seriously into board games. Um, yeah. I should get into it more and then I can see you more. So. Yeah, there you go. That's what I should be doing. We can report live from the, uh, live from the front. That's from it. The uh, tabletop night front. It's a great band. Um, Dan, I'm going to let you go so that you can live, live your life, son. Live it how you want to live it. And be the best you can be. Um, don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, do you want to tell people where they can find you and where they can find Pocket Gamer? Yeah, so uh, I'm I'm available. I'm visible on on Twitter at FBF Dan, uh, and Pocket Gamer is at Pocket Gamer, as far as I know, uh, which is PocketGamer.com, and you can find all. Out all about Launchpad there as well, and you can all of all of the socials are intermingled. If you end up on FBF Dan, you'll find Pocket Gamer. It's in my bio. If you end up on Pocket Gamer, you can probably find me somehow. So good. It's yeah. good to know where to find people. Um, I'll put that link in the description for people wondering. But I mean, FBF Dan. If if you don't know, if if you forget that, then you're hopeless, and I give up on you. I'm sorry. To, I'm sorry to say it. Um, I'm going to go now because I have another recording and I want to eat a donut. So that's that's my life. Um, Enjoy Dan, your thank donut. you very much. It was lovely speaking to you and hopefully I can see you again in person very soon. And then maybe in a year or two from now, you can come back on here and tell me about the iPhone 23 games, which will be out. And I'm sure we'll have, we'll all be in the air. It'll probably be iPhone 12 by then maybe is that it is that the one yeah, yeah. i think that's it yeah that's, that's it here first yeah here first the iphone 12 coming out in 2022 and we'll speak yeah, to you later, probably right yeah. bye bye this podcast is supported by patreon you can support it at patreon.com slash toads anime to listen to the next episode before it releases 